following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. And welcome back to another episode of Eat Sleep List. Your home for list making here at the network at BICBP-radio.com. My name is Dan Torres. Joining me um, as usual this week uh, from afar in, from, in front of his computer in, brunch, in a front of a bunch of wonderful memorabilia, which I forgot to compliment you on last week. It's It's a really nice setup you have. Uh, Mr. Brian Finch. Brian, how are you, man? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you for having me back. I'm glad I passed the audition the first week. With flying colors, may I add, because I Matt had some nice things to say about our episode last week, too, which, you know, my opinion's good. But overall, because he's the creator, he has the final opinion with that. And the and he approved. So so I think we're in the clear now. Um it is a – we're recording on a Thursday this week. It is cold and blustery out. Um, we did get the chance to run into each other in person on Sunday, which was really nice and to have everybody in the same room. Um, we were just talking a little bit of football, but, man, it's – the the back-to-back Super Bowls for the Chiefs is – it's it's something that's just a giant pain in the ass. I mean, I I suppose we're lucky that they haven't gotten more within the past five years. But man, it's as a Bills fan and as an NFL fan, it's so hard and defeating to just keep watching this every year. Do you not agree? I do. It's not Patriot level yet, um, but it'll, it'll it'll get there quick. I know it's going to. I love our rival- rivalry. Um, the way I kind of look at it is, you know, we're the only ones stopping us from beating the Chiefs as a as Bills fan, and um, that's the way I'm going to keep it. Going to keep it 100 like that, and uh, we'll get them next year, and uh, we'll be the ones celebrating this week. Um, we would be remiss if we didn't mention, because this is Thursday, was my fault. Uh, Monday got got a little, uh, little sniffly action, so I had to Call, don't call up Dan and say, no go Monday, can't do it. Let's try and reschedule. Thankfully, we did. And uh, because of that, uh, actually, we are uh, recording um, a day after a, another horrible tragedy in this country. Uh, so speaking of the Chiefs fans, uh, shout out to all the Chiefs fans who are living through a nightmare that we all have been touched by. You know, Buffalo community was touched by last year. Um, you know, so many others. I mean, literally every city's got their own. And uh, this continues to happen, but w- what we're going to do is we're going to continue to bring content and we're going to bring some levity to life, some distractions in life. But uh, I, I, w- I would like to start off this podcast by just saying uh, prayers to uh, all affected out there in Kansas City. 
Yeah, absolutely. As much as, you know, I joke about the Chiefs being our main rivals and, uh, you know, the rivalry between our two cities. At the end of the day, it's a game, right? It's something we all just love and enjoy. And people's lives are more important 100% of the time. And we've seen that in those moments when people come together in situations like this. And for fans to just want to enjoy uh, the parade for their team and to really be a part of that moment and then to have something like that happen and affect them, is it's really horrible and absolutely senseless. It's always, always, always senseless in this. Um, so, yes, um, like Brian said, our hearts and prayers go out to Kansas City and all the Chiefs fans and the Chiefs organization themselves because I know that that has to – kind of weigh on them a little bit too it it always does in those scenarios when it, like either a celebrity or a team is involved with something that happens like that yeah um but appropriately today too to kind of transition into what we're talking about today um uh, in times of violence we all need superheroes desperately which we and did have we did have in kansas city some regular old citizens stepped up which is crazy to see some serious balls on those guys out there, but uh, yeah, we're we're uh, we're talking about the right topic in a way, a little more fictional than in that real life scenario that played out in front of us. But yes, much needed. I agree, Dan, a, a thousand percent. This is a topic you've toyed with, where you said that we have common interests here. It is something that has started this network. You know what I mean? That's it's a it's the namesake. You know, back issues, uh, comic book review podcast or comic book. See, I always get confused, like B-I-C-B-P. Is there anything else in there that I'm missing? No, it's not. It's, not. it's back issue, comic. Comic book. Podcast. podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, which was the original podcast for our network. And um, that's what we're talking about today. Comic book sidekicks. Yes, we are. We are talking about our favorite comic book sidekicks, which was an interesting list to put together. But, um... Partially because there are so many sidekicks that have transitioned to like full-time superhero as well when it comes to comic book lore. Yep. So it, it's hard to find people who are truly like sidekicks and blend in that role really well. So it, it was tough to separate between like main characters and ones that are just small enough to be considered side characters. And in my uh, personal opinion, too, it was hard to not make the, every character on here a Batman character because Batman has so many good side characters and sidekicks. Um, how did you uh, go about your research in putting this one together, Bri? Yeah, there's a there's a few that are personal favorites of mine that I immediately plugged in. And then I had to do some deep diving. And because of that, I had a little bit of a history lesson. Um, as you know, I am not a big DC guy. I'm a much, much larger Marvel fan. Um, and because of that, I don't know the full lore of Batman. While I will openly admit that I am a Batman fan, um, and I have read several comic books, and I like the offshoot graphic novels of Joker, um, mostly because I think the artwork is some of the most beautiful ever put on a piece of paper um i was not aware of how many different sidekicks batman has had i knew of a few i was not aware of how many i counted at least 
six, I believe, which is just an insane number. Maybe only five, but I, the, the lore of Batman being this vigilante and then being tied to these other sidekicks is something that I have quickly realized is what makes him the most human superhero of all time. It's not just his detective work. It's not just the fact that he is completely mortal and can be harmed quite easily if caught in the right moment. Um, it's his relying on friends and his sidekicks and, and other people in his life that are important to him that makes Batman Batman. Um, so it was cool. Um, there's some other people that I came across here that I was reminded of. Other ones that might be are, are stretches, to be honest, I'll admit to you. I'm going to have to... <laughs> maybe dance a little bit to make this work but uh i think um i think i narrowed it down to what ones are uh important to me yeah i agree some of them i'm gonna have more to say about than others i feel like um because of my level of familiar familiarity with um certain ones based on others but you're 100 percent right um uh, in fact it, according to some outlets that I looked at, Batman's credited at having like ten plus um, sidekicks or associates ah, okay. in a, in a lot of senses, which you know some of them don't necessarily get up and fight, but others are just kind of voices in his ear and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's had quite a few over the years between him, Aquaman, Superman. All those ones have all had like a bunch of sidekicks throughout the years. Um, I know Cap has gone through quite a few too as well i have a couple of his on here there may be Um, a few for me as well very good um well without further ado then brian you ready to make a list let's make a list awesome our top 10 superhero sidekicks uh as always um the person who is technically like the guest or not hosting goes first so brian you're number 10 Number 10 is one that was just given the blessing of putting on this list. And because he barely made it on, because he's it's kind of fringy, uh, I'm going to put Silver Surfer here. So I'm already dancing right out the gate. Yes, I know he isn't technically always fighting alongside Galactus. Am I getting this right? I don't want to be wrong on the podcast about this already. Yep, Galactus. Galactus. I know I had a trading card of Galactus. Uh, with Silver Surfer also on there. So at least with that uh, card, I, I feel justified already. Um, he's such a cool character, uh, very important to the Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four, a pivotal uh, group in the lore of Marvel. You know, the universe of Marvel is nothing without Fantastic Four. The movies haven't done it justice, but I, I'm telling you, the uh, the stories, the villains, and especially in this instance, this uh, sidekick of a bad guy um, is is kind of cool and unique. And I, I always enjoyed when he would show up. Uh, he gets to go and do his own thing eventually, which is fun. Um, but uh, a sidekick at number 10 for me will be Silver Surfer. I didn't Very hear good. it. Dan saw it. I hope you heard it in my voice. A sidekick. Is that sound like air quotes i i i feel like if air quotes had a sound that would be the sound of the air quotes for sure is like sure. the the breaking it up and nice and slow um yeah that that is one we definitely um 
were questioning beforehand, but I agreed with you on this. I feel like because he serves Galactus specifically, he can qualify as a sidekick because he is the right hand man to somebody. Um, we do know the Silver Surfer as a standalone in a lot of senses, but even in the most major media where that he's been in, which was um, unfortunately uh, Fantastic Four Two: Rise of the Silver Surfer, um, god awful movie, and they they butcher Galactus really bad in that one. Um, but in in his biggest piece of media, he's serving Galactus like directly in that. So that's what I base it off of. But um, I I do think that's a very very good choice to start off the list, especially because he's questionable. And I feel like the more questionable one, more questionable ones should be closer to the bottom. Yeah, very good. I absolutely love that choice. Um, my number ten is going to be kind of a similar category. Like I said, the ones closer to the bottom that I feel could be their own standalone ones more. Um, it's going to be Bucky Barnes here mm. at number 10. Um, I've always loved Captain America ever since uh, I used to watch like the old, old cartoons as a kid, like the very bam, pow, like drawn, like very, very, very telling, like hand-drawn types of uh cartoons with him uh but i thought that when they did the full marvel movies in the mcu with him especially i thought he was one of the most captivating characters on screen with that um he's always had a robin vibe in like the old times where he was like wearing a mask he's wearing a blue suit it was very basic with him he wasn't really on the super soldier formula like cap was so he always provided a levity in there. Um, but when they portrayed him in the movies, too, they did such a good job of making him a bad guy without really ever making him truly bad. A lot of the times where he was doing, you know, questionable things, he was brainwashed and not really in the right mindset. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Cap kept choosing him over, like, what quote-unquote the right thing was to do um it it showed the bond that they had too and once bucky got back in the right mind and was serving him full on um i, I do think it added such a cool dynamic within that too i think the loyalty complex is something i really really like overall with that um he is closer to the bottom because a lot of people know him as the winter soldier now and right. they see him as like this big you know go off and do your own missions type of guy. But I do really enjoy him, and I do think he paved the way as a sidekick. So Bucky Barnes is my number 10. Love it. He may appear on this list at some point, but not at number 10 or at number 9. Uh, number 9 for me is one. <laughs> uh, this guy is the most fun of all the sidekicks, I think, just because of the comic that he's uh, put into it is Bob, the agent of Hydra from Deadpool. Yes. And that, if you don't know in the comics, he is Deadpool's one and only super fan and he has no special abilities. Um, he just kind of tags along and hopefully doesn't get killed <laughs> in a lot of ways. He's just an added comic relief. He's a, punching bag without over the top punching bag for Deadpool. It's just um 
another way that makes the Deadpool comic series unique in the constant fourth wall breaking and how you have an everyman, a literal everyman as a superhero, quote unquote superhero. Um, and then this is obviously a sidekick. So I don't know, like, I don't, I haven't picked up and read a bunch of the comics, but the ones I have of his, it's like, oh man, I would love to be Bob. Yeah, he's great. I I don't know enough about him where I could have put him on this list, but like yeah. every piece of media I've seen with him in it is just like, <laughs> it's so good. The fact that he's literally just a super fan and doesn't really add much to the universe other than that is such a Deadpool thing. Yeah. It is unbelievable. I, I, I admit, like, I don't know a ton either. That's why he's down here at nine. Um, in fact, if it wasn't for Silver Surfer and I had to bump in uh, another DC sidekick, uh, name whatever one you want, um, I think I think he would be number 10 for me for this reason that I don't fully know everything about him. But uh, I, I, in my head, I'm imagining he was just like an accountant for Hydra. Probably. Maybe Probably he was in marketing. Like Maybe that. he was in marketing. Little hipper. He was the guy that was holding their sign at the corner of the street, flipping it. <laughs> oh, it's flipping the sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could totally I, do that. Yeah, I don't know if Hydra markets their stuff like that, but but that's a good strategy for them if they haven't done it already. Hey, let's hope he shows up in the next Deadpool movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which, by the way, new trailer for that looks so damn good i am so excited for that movie i'm just so apprehensive once something gets a hold of by disney you just you have to pause right i get it i get it although so i i saw that and i was like okay this looks awesome but i'm definitely apprehensive and then i saw um the the x-men 97 trailer which came out today and that shit looks so good. It's slowly like they're just getting my hopes up more and more and more. So if I'm disappointed, I'm going to be so sad. But I I think we have some promising things on the horizon with them. Yeah, not everything they do is bad. Yeah, not not everything. They're just oversaturating mm-hmm. the crap out of absolutely everything. Which yeah. Sucking <laughs> the money out of every corner they can find. If they would just take a year, just a year, and just stop and just think about, like, what kind of plan they have. I don't know. I don't run anything at Disney, unfortunately, so I have no say in that. Well, you're not Bob Iger? No. I was hoping that you. this is just a cameo for you. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> oh, man. Uh my number nine is going to be uh, the Red Arrow, a.k.a. Roy Harper. Um, I'm going to base a lot of what I know about him on the Young Justice show that I'm familiar with. So he is a um, he's the Red Arrow. He uh, is Green Arrow's obviously sidekick, um, but he goes through a ton, an absolute ton in um Young Justice, you find out that he was cloned um, the entire time in the first season, and the actual Roy was just in cryogenic sleep somewhere and had lost his arm. Um, He's a member of the Outsiders within the comic books, which is um, a group made up of Jason Todd, Starfire, and a couple other people. 
where it's like the rogues that are just bordering on the edge of being bad all teaming up um that that's the thing with him too that i like is he's not necessarily a good person he's he's very self-centered and wants very much to take care of himself first and not a super team player overall um but when he's with arrow he's very loyal to him he does have a different type of relationship to him and um he's reliable in any situation that you put him in so roy harper is going to be my number nine yep saw him on uh my research uh trek through sidekicks um I don't even know that much about Red Arrow. Yeah, it's it's so cool. In the uh in the first season of Young Justice when they do it, which is all like it's not the Teen Titans, but they're they're like older than the age of being Teen Titans, but they're not old enough to join the Justice League yet, so they all like form their own group. It's like Tim Drake leads it and then or not uh, Tim Drake, Dick Grayson leads it, and then there, there are a couple other, like, superhero sidekicks within that. It's really well-written. Okay. Um, but he's he's a rogue agent the entire time and doesn't know it. He he got mind-controlled. So they're saying the whole season, there's like, oh, there's a mole within our ranks. There's a mole, there's a mole, there's a mole. And he's so bullish about, you know, who could it be? It's not me. There's no way. And then it's the second to last episode of the first season, you find out he was like brainwashed by the bad guys the entire time. And it's such a cool twist. It makes you care about him that much more through that show. Mm. Classic superhero infiltration tactic. Right. I like that twist. Me too. Uh, All right. On to our number eight, Brian. Number eight, I'm going to put the one and only television program uh sidekick here and that will be Cato from green hornet Hell aka yeah. bruce lee which is amazing i got bruce lee on this list found a way to do it and um know nothing about this show never even watched the movie uh with uh seth rogan i just know it's bruce lee and that's cool enough for me like it's i had so- to, like i had a chance to put bruce lee on a list i was like i'm going to do <laughs> If you get the chance ever, watch some of um like the old Green Hornet, like the original. Um, even if you could find like clips on YouTube or like full episodes with that, it's so worth it because of the fact that like Bruce Lee is doing all these fight scenes and fight stunts, and people are afraid he's like actually gonna kick the crap out of him because he's the best martial artist on the planet. Right. Um and it's so campy. It was during the um the like sixties Batman era with yep. Adam West too, and they did a crossover episode at one point. Oh, that's um, cool. Where they all teamed up. And I, I thought that was a super, super cool thing that they did. Um but yeah, it's the Seth Rogan movie. I understand what they were trying to do with it, but they made he almost made the Green Hornet seem stupid and flying by the seat of his pants, where he's really kind of not in a lot of senses. Uh, it was fun for what it was, I guess, but the the show the show really does it well. Yeah, I think um, 
the only real thing I've ever watched that was Green Hornet involved was Mythbusters did an episode with uh, if you can take out tires with different rims that are like got spikes on them and stuff, and they use a Green Hornet model on one of them. It was quite effective. I can imagine. Yeah, you that makes sense too, because you see like uh in like police chases and stuff, they put the spikes down sometimes and though and that like works nine times out of ten in stopping the car. You know, and at the very least it'll pop all the tires so they can't go far. Yeah. Unless they got run flats, but they probably don't. Yeah, exactly. Uh very good. Love that pick for you. Uh my number eight is going to be um, another Marvel character and one that I was more recently introduced to. The The way that you don't know DC as much as you know Marvel, I'm kind of the opposite way with Marvel, uh, where like I don't know as much about Marvel as I do about DC. But because I read so much Spider-Man too, I was introduced to a lot of characters, but never followed certain storylines of people. Um, so when the Doctor Strange movies came out and Wong started appearing with everything, I just absolutely fell in love with the dude. I absolutely love Wong. Wong is just a straight-up badass in every sense, but he's so, especially the way they make him in the movies, he is so serious about every little thing um, regarding the mystic arts. Um, <clears throat> even when in no way home the the brief cameo that he has where he's like walking out of the sanctum um into uh shang chi's world where he's about to do the battle uh he's he's going wouldn't do that if i were you wouldn't do that spell like always just like the dad leaving for vacation where he's like don't fuck things up while i'm gone please don't do that but then he he just has some of the most badass moments (laughs) ever um in the second Doctor Strange, I know he was a big part of some of those like action sequences and action scenes too. I have to go back and rewatch that again because I remember liking it, but it, now that I found out that uh, the writers didn't watch WandaVision or know anything about it before going into that movie, I want to see it again because I want to see like what what the hell did they miss within right. this with, with a lot of it this takes this is directly after wandavision yep yep okay. <laughs> why, why wouldn't Bri- you watch it brian it it makes no sense to me why they chose to keep those things separated for whatever reason but but yeah there was there was this article that came out after the second Doctor Strange movie came out that uh, the writers of Doctor Strange did not watch WandaVision. Oh my god. <laughs> That's embarrassing. It is enjoyable. Um I I hated the first one only because in the lore of of I, I hate it's a strong word. I didn't hate it. I was disappointed with certain aspects of the character development and it's that dr strange's original point of learning these mystic arts wasn't to save his hands to be an awesome surgeon it was to save his wife it was a totally different reason why you would learn the arts so you turn him into this super egotistical douchebag and like you sell that really well and very quickly in the movie. And then for the next, you know, hour and a half, 
you're going to try and convince me now that I want to root for him to uh, change and be a better person. Guess what? You can't accomplish that. <laughs> once once you sell it that hard, you know, I'm, I'm spending the rest of the movie thinking that this guy sucks and I don't want him to have superpowers. <laughs> like, you don't deserve them. You're not worthy of these superpowers. You're not humble. You're, you're braggadocious. You're egotistical. You're a narcissist. You suck. And then, you know, but by the end of the movie... I'm almost there. It is one of my favorite endings of all Marvel movies. And then uh, the second one, the character is so solidified from being in all the other, you know, Avengers movies and stuff that I was like, okay, I'm, I've come to terms with this. You created this character in a different light. Ends up working, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, it, so many twists certain stuff that doesn't need to be twisted. I, it bothers me as a comic book fan. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Sometimes they take creative liberties where I'm like, okay, this is this is interesting. But like one of the biggest problems I have with the um original like uh the original Batman with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson and everything like that is they show that flashback of um Jack Nicholson killing his parents as a kid. Right. Which I was like which they never established if that was actually a real memory or not. Like they, I think they even insinuate something where he's like, Oh, you're just, you're just putting that in your head. You're just creating that. Um, like you would, but even to insinuate that, I was like, it's oh, weird. Joker didn't kill his parents. Like that's supposed to be organic. Yeah. Who did? We, we do know this, right? Joe chill. Who's um who they um if you've ever seen batman begins they actually like use the right name and everything for that so it's just it really is just like a random mugger that they do which i've always liked that because i don't think it needed to tie into his future at all like oh i gotta fight this bad guy who killed my parents like all the time it's very like anime to do that which i appreciate but like the the fact that it was such a random thing and he's like, okay, I'm just going to, this is going to be the rest of my life now. I always appreciated that aspect of it. That's more important to the character development of Gotham, the city, being a character in the movie. It's more important for Joe Chill to be this random mugger thug that kills his parents because that gets down to like the greedy or uh, seedy, um, dangerous, awful place that Gotham City is supposed to be. And that's mm. what inspires Batman. It's not the super villains that inspired Batman. It was the everyday, you know, people struggling. Yeah, exactly. And that, um, not to go too off topic, but that's one of the reasons I really liked the Batman when it came out because a lot of people were disappointed with the swerve at the end where it was like, oh, Riddler's in jail. Now it's the people of Gotham going after the mayor or whatever. But it was so good at establishing, like, Riddler exposed all this corruption that was going on in Gotham and he got people to rally behind him. And that was the the more important point of that story was all these people were ready for change and they wanted it so bad they were willing to be evil to do that. And then um, they have a moment where uh, they unmask the one henchman and they ask him who he is and he says, I'm vengeance. And Batman sees what people could become if he keeps, like, pushing the violence and, like, doing it. And rather than being a light for Gotham. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was such a cool 
point to end on. Like, okay, he's inspiring these people. He's here with them. Like, you don't see a lot of that in the other movies where he's just kind of chilling with the people of Gotham and helping on that front. Um, yeah, there's there's so many layers to a good superhero movie and establishing those types of things with it. And I think you brought up such a good point with Dr. Strange, which I didn't know that that was part of his origin story. And that would probably change my perspective a lot of it. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I ruined it for you. (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) Just kidding. Never. Um, All right. We are on to number seven. Number seven will be war machine. And War Machine, as you know, is just a, another Iron Man suit. Um, and I actually, this is the first one that I knew about just based on the cartoon series, you know. And I always just thought it was cool that, you know, that he's handing out suits to his friends and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously this expands on to like the Spider-Man storyline, too, that he's helping out. But um, even in the the cartoons from the late 90s, early 2000s, I want to say the Iron Man series was um, super fun character, powerful. I love robots. I love any mech warrior kind of suit. So Iron Man's always been kind of cool for me. And um, I thought War Machine, um, you know, being, you know, a a former soldier, too, in that in that light is really cool. Uh, Which actor do you prefer uh, for? Um, I'm I'm sorry. I'm slipping on the, his actual name. Not who's inside the suit. So, um, Rhodey is the the Rhodey. character's name. So, do you um, prefer the guy in the first movie, or do you prefer who he gets replaced with? See, it's so hard for me because I absolutely love um, Don Cheadle, the second Iron Man. Right. Very, I I love him as an actor, and I love him as a performer. I think he is so good for the Marvel universe. But I have a complex where if one actor started as the role and then they switch him, I have a weird thing getting over that. And I thought Terrence Howard was a really really good Iron Man or uh, War Machine to start this off. This actually, so this ties in well because um, War Machine is actually my number seven too. So the, with, uh-huh. this works out. We have a matching uh, entry in here. Um, but I, um, I don't know. It is such a hard question. I liked the way that. I liked Terrence Howard's friendship with him a little better, like the friendship that he has with it. I thought it was a little bit more forced with Don Cheadle. Um, however, I think Don Cheadle as an actor just is pound for pound one of the best ever. Um, so I'd have to say Cheadle overall, but yeah. I wish I could have seen how it played out with Terrence Howard. Right. We never get to see him put on the suit. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not even a thought. Yeah. Well, it, it kind of is a thought, because at the end of the first movie, um, when Rhodey finds uh, Tony after he uh, has the whole thing with uh, Stain or whatever, he, uh, he watches Tony leave in the Iron Man suit, and then he looks at the other one for a second and, like, thinks about it, and then he goes, next time, baby. And then he was never seen again. Right. It was it was terrible. Um, I have a similar perspective um, on War Machine as you, because 
like you, I grew up watching like all the cartoons and things like that. But I loved the Spider-Man animated series from the 90s. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was such a good thing. And he had a couple of moments on that show. Um, There was an episode in particular with Carnage. I think it was Carnage's first appearance on that series where he's breaking into something and, like, it's a big tech on it, but it's a Tony Stark one. And War Machine goes out because Tony tells him something's going on and, like, he needs to help out over there. And then... That was, like, my first introduction to him. So I'm going, is this, like, a, a Iron Man sidekick or whatever? And then at the end, War Machine gets hurt, and he's talking to Tony. And Tony's like, I'm going to send some more help out there. And Spider-Man goes, more help? Who's he talking about? You And he goes, the one they call Iron Man. And then it shows Tony suiting up. And I was like, ah, that's so cool. Okay. So there are multiple robots going on with this. Um <laughs> Yeah, man, they they had some great moments within the cartoon series, but then the Iron Man movies just took it to a whole new level with him. Um, I thought it was a good choice not to kill him, um, as they do in the comics during Civil War, because technically I believe um, Rhodey dies during Civil War um, at some point. So I'm glad they didn't do that because I feel like he was too important to remove from the series as a whole. Um, but he just added this whole another layer of human to Tony, especially in that. God, that second movie is so god awful. But in in that second movie, when he's partying and drinking at his house and the first appearance of war machine is literally him putting on the suit to put Tony in his place for a second. Like he's, he is the only one that can get away with doing stuff like that. Right. Um, other than pepper, there's pepper and there's him, but no other, like you tell me a member of the Avengers that's getting through to Tony like that. Nobody is doing, right. um, yeah, but he, he had some really nice depth added within the movie. Uh, but he's just such a cool character. Like you, I love robots. I would love to see, you know, what one of those suits would feel like and just test it out for God, five minutes. Give me five minutes to just fly to New York City and back yeah. from here. Yeah. Put, and, put me in one of those rooms where you're like, you're smashing TVs and stuff. And then uh, just let me just wreck shop. Oh my God. So good. Um, I, Fallout 4 is one of my favorite video games ever, and I've built so many different characters in uh, within the game and played it so many ways. My favorite one was like an Iron Man build that I did where you have uh, a power suit, like you have like this vault suit or whatever. And in the fourth, you could just kind of get in and out of it as you please. And as a human, I was not powerful at all. But then if I get in the suit, I would just be able to destroy everything possible. Right. God, that was so fun. Just just being able to have access to that was a little close to being enough for me. But yeah, it, they they just make between Brody and Iron Man, they make those suits so freaking appealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when uh, I remember when Avatar first came out, and I'm seeing the trailers, I'm like, oh my god, that's a MechWarrior suit! Like, I can't wait to watch this. And then, uh. Somebody was like, "Yeah, but they're the bad guys." I'm like, "What?" They're like, "Yeah, the 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 blue pointy ear guys. They're the good guys." And then uh, the people that use those mech warrior suits, 
they're the bad guys. I said, screw this, I ain't watching this movie. And to to this day, I've never watched that movie. It's it's I could go on about that movie all day, but it's space Pocahontas, and I don't see why <laughs> there was why there was a need for a second one. It's literally like you cross out all the character names and just replace it with like Pocahontas, John Smith, Pocahontas, John Smith, and like it's yeah. it's the exact same thing. Instead of um, pointy-eared blue people, um, make them Iraqis, and uh, it's uh, Operation Freedom. One hundred percent. There are so many. There's so many different scenarios you could mix it. <laughs> I heard that is what that director is going for, but that's propaganda, <laughs> not for this list. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, number six on our sidekicks list. Number six, I better put in a guy I've been holding. Um, no, I'll make him wait maybe another couple more rounds. So let's go with Wong here. I'll put Wong here. Oh uh, yeah. For the same reasons that you do. Uh, first off, the movie, um, fall in love with that character, the way that he doesn't put up with nothing, and uh, he takes no crap from him. And he gives it right back, and he loves to rub in his face very early on how he's a lot more powerful than Doctor Strange, and that he doesn't have any idea of what he's even trying to learn here. And then uh, he becomes super important to just keeping this reality that we live in. If we were part of the, uh, you know, original avengers universe if if it's that still that dimension that timeline and everything like that and we're a part of it he keeps our world together as much as any other character and he he fights off some pretty harsh dudes does it with a lot of um what i think is a uh, sneaky swag uh, wong's got some sneaky swag where he's not braggadocious but at the same time he's extremely confident he trusts he trusts himself and and uh his knowledge of the mystic arts and he's a super fun character to root for. I love that. Just when I meet someone for the first time, you know, which I did in, in the strange movies, and I was like, wow, you're easy to root for. I, I'm glad you exist. Yeah, 100%. I, I just absolutely love his demeanor as a whole. He really is like that, that grumpy old dad yeah. all the time. Like, are you fucking this up again? No, I promise I'm not wrong. I promise. Um. It, I, it's nice to hear that you found a similar interest in him through the same media because that that kind of validates me a little bit. Yeah, uh, I it and and all honestly, like the Doctor Strange lore was something I learned from a guy I worked with who's probably now in his early sixties. So, like, you know that. Doctor Strange storyline of the late 60s, 70s was his childhood. So he, he was able to talk to me for days and we would just chat comic books. I would just let him teach me about, you know, different stories and character developments and stuff like that. And Wong never came up, which I'm a little disappointed. I should yell at him if I ever see him again. Yeah, you definitely should. I, yeah, I, I think that's enough. How come you never brought him up? Because I think we at the time, like that Doctor Strange movie must have been coming out, right? So I was getting hyped about it, and he was like, "Do you know anything about it?" And I had to tell him, I'm "Like, no, I know nothing." What, what What can you tell me? And then he did a pretty good job, and um, Wong, uh, you know, he deserves his flowers, hundred percent, very much so. And he he really truly does 
stick to the definition of like a sidekick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like mentors everybody else. Very good. I love, love, love that pick, and I love that we're aligned on him. Um, my number six is going to be um, Connor Kent, a.k.a. Superboy. Um, that dude has had quite the life because rather than Superman's story where Superman was, you know, the last surviving member of a planet, he was sent down to Earth, everybody knows the story, Earth's son made him more powerful and things like that. Um, Connor was created as a direct clone of Superman. So where Superman like found parents and kind of found his origin and, and like his story, Connor has to be tortured by the fact that he kind of doesn't really have a backstory. He doesn't really have family. He has like Superman who he's just kind of supposed to live up to and look up to in a lot of senses. Um, but Superman does a really good job of kind of taking him under this his wing and being like, you can be someone separate than you actually are. Um, in particular, again, referring to Young Justice, he has such a really good storyline within that where Superman doesn't even realize that something like that exists and then meets him and is like, oh, like you're going to have a lot of questions, but like, I, I can be here for you with that. You don't have to resent me or be anything bad with that. And it's seeing him learn how to control his powers too and take control of a lot of things is so interesting to watch when anybody is that powerful. Like you have no choice but to be riveted by those types of things. He also has a great um, relationship with uh, Megan, who is Martian Manhunter's niece. And they find solace in the fact that they're both aliens in a lot of senses and are, are trying to find their own way on the planet. Um, I just think he's a cool character. Um, the concept was introduced after Death of Superman um, oh. when there was kind of some turmoil in figuring out, are we going to end Superman because he's way too powerful? What are we going to do with this? Or all these different ones were popping up, like um, the Cyber uh, cyber Superman, I believe they had. They had Steel, who was um, John Henry Irons, and um, Superboy, who was another alternative for them to have. But he stuck around for a really long time and found a place in the universe. Um, so Connor Kent gets a place at my number six. Very cool. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a big Superman storyline, but you brought up the death of a Superman um, comic. And I read that in a grocery store. Uh, Mom was shopping. I said, I'm going to the magazine aisle. Uh, grabbed it because I knew it was out. Sat down, read it, put it back on the stand. And uh Never picked up another Superman. That was the first and only time I ever picked one up. Uh, well, no, no, that's not true. I was gifted one as a young child, probably around six or seven. And it was not a real one. It was like a reissue, um, retelling of the origins of Superman. And I, I enjoyed it enough. I've never been a big Superman guy because it's like the guy can do everything. You know, that's not fun. Like, I don't like that. I don't like characters who can do everything. Um, do you know why um, he is hurt by kryptonite? Do you know why kryptonite exists? I believe – I've heard a couple iterations of it, but I believe it's like the remains of his home planet in a lot of senses. And Do you, uh, do you know how it became lore, though? Do you know why it's part of comic 
uh, book Legend and Superman storyline? I don't think so. Superman uh, obviously was a comic, but it was also a radio program. Mm. And the guy that did the voice of Superman said, I'm, I'm going on vacation. And they said, well, we got a show to do. And he goes, okay, great. I don't know if you misunderstood me. I'm going on vacation. And they're like, well, no, we have a radio program to put out. And, you know, millions of people listen to it. Really important. He goes, figure it out. Dude left. And they're like, what are we going to do? Boom. Kryptonite. Superman gets sick from this rock that came from his planet. And therefore, Superman is out of the program for a week. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea that that's the reason it got brought up. Huh. You just blew my mind with that a little bit. It's because of lack of PTO that kryptonite exists. <laughs> Different times. Different times. The 30s that were poor, wild. That poor bastard probably got fired for that too at some point. <laughs> but yes, the the kryptonite is um that's a cool thing. Um I, I do think the red kryptonite's my favorite because it turns Superman into a dick. If you watch Superman three, uh you find this out. This turns him into an asshole and a rapist, potential rapist. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Uh it's uh it's wild. He is wow. <laughs> Superman lore is weird sometimes. Yep. Oh man. All right. On to our top five, just like that. Brian, you're number five. Bucky Barnes. Nice. Didn't really know where to slot him, but um knew that. It, it's a character that had the capabilities, I think, in its early stages of being as popular as a Robin or as a um, Batgirl or maybe even Superwoman. You know, one of those ones where he can stand alone, but in, in the early stages, you just saw that they were trying to like model him after like that Robin character. And they thought that that was probably missing from like the Marvel world. And there weren't any characters that had any sidekicks like that. So, but Bucky, um, obviously grows a ton. Uh, his storyline in the movies, you know, vastly different than anything that he originally started with. And, um, I, I, I think the idea behind him just being an every man, um, similar to a a batman but not like a vigilante you know having the backstory of being a soldier and stuff like that um free the whole super soldier serum um i always liked and the fact that you know he was a natural leader and his own right without captain america you know even when he was out there in the actual real life of battling evil you know he was a natural leader in that too so Bucky Rogers uh, or Bucky Barnes has the abilities to be just about as cool as any sidekick. I think just never really the storyline just never stayed there. You know, they, they grew, you know, they took that character and they grew. Yeah, very much so. Um, I'm glad you included him on your list too, because I didn't know if he was as popular because of the movies or because of comic book lore and i do love him from both but like 
I just feel like he's such a good definition of like a sidekick and someone you'd really, really want to have on your team because of his loyalty. Right. And that's the biggest, uh, one of the biggest attributes I think of being a sidekick is loyalty. Yeah, I agree. Um, Speaking of which, the, this next one kind of ties in with Bucky a little bit Um, at my number five. I put Sam Wilson, a.k.a. the Falcon, um, there you go. at number five. I um, A lot of people don't like him as a character. Um, I, reference, I reference this story all the time when I'm talking about superheroes, where um, I went to go see Infinity War... Um, not the night of when it came out, but um, the afternoon after I saw it, like right at noon or whatever. I was in a theater with a lot of people who were like doing the commentary to it as well, because we're all sitting there experiencing the same thing together. And uh, when everybody was uh, blipping uh, and like phasing out, <laughs> when. When they showed Falcon disappearing, somebody in the theater just screamed, yes! <laughs> I I died. So I always, with him, I always think of that. I'm like, is that what people think of him? Like, really? But the reason I love Sam Wilson so much, especially the way they introduce him um, within that world in particular, is Cap is so lost in that new world. He is so lost, and they like he really has no direction, and like nobody really understands him as far as being like displaced and, um, you know, without his people and just in this world that doesn't feel good. And then Winter Soldier opens, and he's running laps around Anthony Mackie around uh, the reflection pool, the Washington Bayou, which is so it, it's such a cool scene to start with, and then. When he's talking to Sam, they, they realize they have so much in common where they were like looking for family and looking for home and like trying to find a place in the world. And Sam is just down for the ride the entire time. He's just with Cap and he's like, yeah, you need me? I'll go. Like, what do we right. need? My, my favorite part um, of that movie, there's so many good parts, but the ending of it is so telling where he's with Cap. And they're um, talking about something where Cap is saying he needs to find me. And Sam just goes, so where are we going? And they're just tied at that moment. Sam is so loyal to him, and people were so mad that he got handed the shield at the end of um, Endgame 2. And I thought it made perfect sense. He was the He was Cap's guy in that second phase of his life. And he really... He put forth that bond better than a lot of sidekicks could, where it's like, yeah, I'm just down for you. We're going wherever, whenever. Like, I am I am down for you. I am here. Um, he always has such a near place in my heart. Um, when I was reading comic books again a couple of years ago, I need to catch up on so much because I was reading so, so much good stuff. Um, his series was one of my favorites I was reading at the time, especially because um, his sidekick, the new Falcon, is um, a guy named Joaquin Torres. So I needed somebody with a Torres last name oh. in order to represent me within comic books. And there it was. So I always have love for um, being represented in certain things, especially because 
in in a lot of lore, um, Latino people weren't referenced in it as much. And now that there's this diversity explosion within um, a lot of comic books, it's so cool to see more of that within everything, especially like Miles Morales being half black, half Puerto Rican. Like th- those types of things are so cool to me that it doesn't need. And I, this isn't the place for that ramp, but like, it, it's just nice because that's how the world is. Like the world isn't all just one color. It is different colors everywhere. And everybody should be able to be represented as that. Yeah. Um, so Sam Wilson, um, after that long witted rant comes in at my number five. Nice choice. Nice choice. Uh, this character for me, uh, already got a shout out, uh, once and you were talking about a trailer that came out today. Uh, the 97 X-Men, right? Uh, well, there is a character introduced basically for, uh, that old school, uh, x-men series and that would be jubilee and who's jubilee sidekick to oh just my favorite uh comic book character of all time in wolverine she's not that cool guys straight up her abilities not that cool but what she is uh is a great representative of what the xavier school was for and she was you know in a in a spot in her life where she could not exist and she was rescued and given a home where she was felt made to feel normal and not different and was made to feel special, but in like the best way possible. But at the same time, it really took Wolverine for her to really feel like she could be herself. Cause even in the, the school, she was, a little bit of an outcast because she was a little older coming to the school than the rest of the kids already being in you know, a teenager. And the fact that a lot of these kids already grew up together and had been looking out for each other. And she's the new girl, you know, her and Wolverine storyline come together in that comic and that cartoon series just perfectly. And it's I, perfect. I, they work so well together where he lets her like have a little bit of an edge and an attitude. And at the same time, she, softens wolverine and and helps him to not become the raging crazy animal that we all know he can be and that you know is important for logan to keep his humanity and to stay grounded in that aspect and and remember that he is one of the good guys you know he's not just a straight up villain um and just monster out there wrecking shop all the time yeah he is an anti-hero but he's a lighter anti-hero he's not an anti-hero like deadpool He's an anti-hero that knows when to pull back at times. And I, and I th- really think Jubilee is a big part of that. And while shooting fireworks like that isn't the coolest looking ability, um, she's a really cool chick. And uh, I, I thought she was probably uh, a lot of girls' favorite comic book uh, character for quite a while. Yeah, I absolutely love Jubilee. In fact, one of the reasons she's not on my list is like I think of her so highly that I was like, no, she's a character in her own right. She's no <laughs> like like that that was my thought process with that too, but I was I was so close to putting her on. You you set that up perfectly because in that X-Men series their first interaction really is her going into the tr- uh 
into the training room, seeing Logan fight Gambit, I'm pretty sure, thinking like, oh, Gambit's in trouble. And she goes and defends him against Wolverine, <laughs> which like you've got to have some major guts in order to stand in front of somebody like that and do that. Um, but their relationship really is amazing. Um, the the two relationships I love that Logan has as far as the X-Men are her and Kitty Pride. I just think both of them um, brought out a different side of him. Yep. When, whenever they were teamed up in comic books or things like that. Yep. And um, it, it's, it's really, 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 really um, amazing to see their dynamic on paper. Um, if you ever read a series called Wolverine Patch at all, Mm-mm. no, I'm gonna I'm gonna get that out to you because I think it's only like six issues or so, um, and it's I can't remember what storyline it takes place in between, but um, Logan is an agent for Shield at the time, and he's stationed like in some remote country. Um, it's a damn good storyline, and it's really fun, and it's a really really easy read. So I'm gonna give that to you at some point so you can take that in. Oh, hell yeah. Um, My number four is somebody who's a sidekick, but half the damn time he, like, doesn't even want to be a sidekick. He's just kind of forced into those positions. And I've always <laughs> loved him as a character so much. Um, It's the great Jimmy Olsen um, from Superman. <laughs> I absolutely think he's the quirkiest, weirdest, but, like, most stock perfect character of all time when it comes down to it. So my major introductions to Superman, you, you are so right, where Superman's so overpowered that he can be so damn boring sometimes. But I will say, when they do Superman right, he can really, really, really be done right. And one of the best examples of it um, was a show I grew up with, which was the Superman animated series, which was kind of flip flopped with the Batman animated series. Like when they became when it became the new Batman adventures and switched over to WB. Um, I recently rewatched that whole Superman series and it still holds up. It is excellent. It is very, very good. They make Superman very vulnerable throughout the entire thing, but they also um they also make it believable. So it's not just like, oh, you needed to dumb him down a little bit. They give real good stakes within that. They introduce like the alien world and all that different life that it didn't. And Jimmy Olsen's one of the best parts of that show. He's just kind of like the bumbling photographer from uh, the Daily Planet. He's just a kid. He gets himself into weird scenarios all the time. Um, and he constantly, but he's just Superman's buddy. For yep. no reason. Superman's always showing up to, like, save him. He has that watch that can um, let out a specific frequency that Superman can hear, and he knows, oh, Jimmy's in trouble again. It's literally like Superman will just drop whatever he is doing and go help Jimmy Olsen if necessary. Uh, but Jimmy also gives him good intel, too, and has also saved his ass from a bunch of different scenarios. Like, there have been countless times where Superman's been trapped and Jimmy was like, I know he was investigating this place last time you looked. And he happens to, like, find where Superman's being held up and saves him. Like, it's just this this random teenager who should not be a big part of this world just suddenly becomes, like, 
Superman's friend. Yeah. Out of nowhere. It's like having a celebrity as your friend for no reason. If it's like if I were friends with Drake and just like FaceTimed him all the time. <laughs> he just like just showed up at like my parties and things like that with everybody being, is that Drake? And we'd be like, Yeah, I know. I'm like, he's cool. We we just gotta know each other. It'd be like like you like right now, we're like, Oh, uh, I got in the podcast. Well, what's up? Uh uh Drake's got a flat. I gotta go help him out. Literally, exactly. Like, what the hell? Like, it shouldn't exist and be as perfect as it is. But I, I do love Jimmy Olsen for it, just because of the innocence of it. He doesn't want to be a hero, but he's just a hero all the time and works with the most powerful superhero in the world. So he gets a spot on my list at number four. I do love him. Um, I'm trying to think of how he falls into that Superman movie I was referencing with Richard Pryor. I know he's in there. I just don't remember exactly what he's up to in that movie. But God, I forget that Richard Pryor's in that one too. (laughs) I love that movie. A hundred for the for all the right reasons too. Like it's terrible, but I love it. It's the only one I've watched multiple times. Oh my God. It's it's pretty it's it's so bad it's so good. Like that Mm -hmm. it's that type of thing. When the bad guy wants to control the weather so he can take control of the world supply of coffee. That was the whole point of that. That was the super plot, the super villain plot. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a rewatch for sure at some point. <laughs> My favorite part is when Superman, while he's being a dick, goes and straightens the leaning tower of Pisa. <laughs> like, what? Just no reason at all. Yep. Very dumb. Very dumb. So good. Uh, all right. Top three sidekicks. Brian, number three. Top three sidekicks. Now is when I'll get a little controversial. And I will put my second sidekick villain in Harley Quinn. Okay. I know we discussed it. Um, and we both kind of acknowledged that, yes, she's fully capable of running her own shit and being one of the best baddies ever in a comic book series. Uh, but I think when she is fully devoted to the Joker um, in the most unhealthy way possible is when she's at her best. Uh, it's it's That's what I think of in the 90s Batman comic, that voice. You know, as much as Mark Hamill's portrayal of the Joker is phenomenal, uh, whoever does the voice of Harley Quinn, congratulations. You had that voice imprinted in my brain probably until the day I die. Um, I would try and do an impression right now, but I know it'd be awful. Uh, so I'll spare you all of that. But you all know what I'm thinking of. And the classic Harley Quinn, you know, diamond pattern, black and red outfit. And... um she is so devoted and down to do anything um no matter how bad it is for her and uh i I appreciate that you know and i I love it and then going into the batman series uh movie where um what's his jared leto right didn't he portrayed him yeah so yeah that one, I don't know, man. You have to tell me. Is that does she exist 
like that as a like a sex icon like she does in those movies and then going into suicide squad is that part of the comics is she like a dulled up cosplay sex icon like a like a wet dream <laughs> sorry mama torres i know you're probably listening <laughs> she's heard worse um no not really which is you know it's so funny because um her first appearance in comic book lore was in the Batman animated series. They created her specifically for that. So okay. no, she was never really like how you see her in that and like the 90s Batman comic books. That's how she's kind of supposed to be, like just kind of like dressed to the nines and that kind of her image has evolved a little bit throughout the years and i get the theme that they were trying to put forth for suicide squad even though they missed the mark entirely um it, it, jared leto's joker is just the most atrocious thing i can it, it's so funny because i can argue about like who's the best and worst batman every day of the week every day of the week people bring up the joker i go the worst is by far jared leto so, like, I just, I just have, like, I just, nope, it's way down here for him. Didn't prep for it the right way. Their take on it was awful. Like, they, they just did some terrible things with it. The grill. I think, yes, the grill. Um, I think they got her mostly right when they did Birds of Prey, um, which was a way better movie than a lot of the Suicide Squad versions were. And I also think the best choice they made through all of those is casting Margot Robbie. Um, as her because I think she is like the perfect um, the perfect on screen portrayal of her but um, no she's kind of sinister in general like she's not really a sex icon which is I, I think a lot of people created that idea in their heads because of like Harley and Joel's quote unquote love but like you see what kind of relationships those people go for afterwards where it's like oh you're not dating the 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 nicest man out there are you um yeah she's she's a very complex character she's definitely not a sex icon overall like they've made her yeah and now she's like a lot of people's go-to cosplay a lot of people's go-to halloween costume yeah which i get it it's but like the ones that like really know no as as far as like when I meet people who watch the animated series or grew up on like the '90s comics and stuff like that, they know like they know like oh this is Harley Quinn this is how it's supposed to be. Um, by the way, that was voiced by the great um Arlene Sorkin who passed away last year sadly. Um, but she does have one of the most uh iconic voices ever when it comes to that you mr. can pick j. her mr j you could pick her out in like other cartoons when you see her too like there's other cartoons she's done voiceover work for where you're like that's arlene sorkin right there like i recognize that anywhere so um, she's a voice acting icon yes very much so um if uh you ever get the chance the one thing I do highly recommend that's very Harley now is the uh, Harley Quinn series that's on HBO Max. Like, it just parodies the Batman world so well, but it's almost like seeing everything through Harley's eyes and uh, trying to be taken seriously herself 
as a supervillain. It's yeah. it's a really it's really good writing and it's a really interesting show. Gotta check it out. I will get to it for sure at some point. Um, very good. My number three is a very obscure one. Where I'm kind of sticking with the WB era for the last uh, couple ones on this list. So this is a character called Gear. And um, he was on a show, which is now a comic book, which I think they're making a show again or have made a show for it, uh, called Static Shock. I don't know if you remember the show at all. Um, yeah, so it, was, it was on WB for a while. It was the first time I ever got exposure to, um, like, a black superhero on, like, a mainstream um, superhero cartoon. It was on WB um, right after batman i believe on saturdays when they would show it saturdays or sundays it was about um this kid named virgil who got it he was at like this he was somewhere he shouldn't be and they were in like a chemical plant and they threw in this gas and the gas mixed with something else to give all the people that got caught in it powers and so virgil ends up being able to bend electricity uh, and he becomes static shock because of it. So he, his iconic thing was he would wear kind of like this. It would it looks almost like a homemade costume, but his main method of transportation is he would electrify a manhole and have that be floating. So he float around on like a manhole all the time. But Richie is his best friend in that show, um, and knows his secret like from the beginning and is always kind of there. But then in, I believe in the second or third season. He creates this backpack that has all these like uh like it's almost like a robot, but it has all these tools with it that can uh get them out of a lot of scenarios. And Richie becomes gear and he becomes static's sidekick with that, which I always thought was so cool. It's very much like an Iron Man war machine scenario where it's like a close friend that ends up fighting alongside you. But it was so cool how long he kind of sat on the sidelines and was helping him from the sidelines. And then he creates this and was like, I think I could do this with you. Like, I, I think this could be a thing. And the, the team of them is super, super, super fun to just watch and interact with. Um, great show. If people haven't seen it, uh, it is, it's, it's up there with the other animated series from its era, um, which is like Superman and Batman and things like that. But gear is my number three. Very cool. You're giving me some homework. I I guess I am. Like I well, the second you said that the DCU wasn't really your realm, yeah. Um, it 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 kind of it kind of made me think. Oh yeah, I'm gonna give him some research to do after this. It was um, just Batman. I just I stayed on Batman since 1989, and I never left. I love Batman. Well, that that's what brought me into the DC world in the first place. But then. Afterwards, I wanted to like explore. You know, he's he's a part of the Justice League, and that the Justice League had such a good animated series too. So it pulled me into the world way, like way more than Marvel did at first, because I wanted more Marvel content, but there wasn't a ton, cartoon wise and like mainstream wise that I could work off of, except for Spider Man, which is why I love Spider Man so freaking much too. The Cartoon Network, um, I remember watching the uh, reruns of the old Justice League with blue tights, um, Batman. Yep. 
Yeah, so so freaking. That was a really good series. It was so good. I've actually been rewatching it recently, and it's like there's no beating it. Yeah. Shout out Andrew Lenz from the Nostalgia Fun House, who obviously you know and has been on this show before. Uh he had me on one time and we were ranking um play sets and the Daily Planet and the Justice League playsets from that time period are they're so cool looking. <laughs> they're so cool looking. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Uh all right, just like that, we're on to our top two. Number two, Brian. This is where I will put my favorite sidekick of all time. Uh number one is reserved for someone very special. Um, but he's not my favorite. This guy's my favorite, especially because he has no special abilities, but he's like one of the most ride or die sidekicks, uh, slash best friends of all time. Foggy Nelson from the Daredevil series. Hell Love yes. me some Foggy. He, you know, stuck by this dude just as a n- normal friend, you know, no matter what, you know, he obviously being his eyes and his extra, you know, like extra senses out there and being able to just relate the real world to him, even though at the time, you know, early on, he doesn't know anything about, you know, what he can and cannot achieve in life. And then uh, even even after he finds out, you know, the, the real story of what's going on, he doesn't tell nobody keeps his secret he sticks with it he takes some lumps for him he gets his ass kicked for him you know he he takes care of him when daredevil's real banged up um if you have a friend like foggy nelson you got a good friend and uh, his portrayal by i should always look up these actors names and i'm terrible with names but whoever plays him in the netflix series that's now on disney plus uh, he's my Foggy Nelson. That is Foggy to me. I don't care whoever they want to use in the movies going forward and stuff like that because I know they're not even as Daredevil is re- reprised by uh, Charlie Charlie Cox. Charlie Cox. Um, they've already said that, that actor that played Foggy Nelson will not be back, which isn't like he crushed it. They changed it, so now Foggy and Karen are both coming back to that series. Well, that for I know they just did that limited run, um, which I can't watch because I didn't finish the Daredevil series yet of the Kingpin. Oh, Echo. Echo. Was he in Echo? I don't believe so. Daredevil was in like the first episode of that show. Um, there wasn't much after involving that, but so. I I was absolutely obsessed with the Daredevil series. I still am. I think it's I think it's one of the best superhero pieces of media that's ever been made. It's absolutely. so it's so damn good. Um, and Cheese Man, my best friend, absolutely loves it too. So we've been every little development that's been going on within it, um, has it has piqued our interest immediately. Um, and he actually, I can't remember what 
um, site it was from, but he shared with a uh, like a reliable comic book site with me an article that said that they were bringing uh, Karen and Foggy back, like the original people from it. In fact, they had fired the writers that were working on the show originally because it was straying too far from the original Netflix product, which I that actually gave me some confidence because it was like, Okay, you you want this to be just as good too as it was before. Yeah. They're they're bringing um the same guy who played Bullseye back. They just announced that recently. Okay, they're cool. they're they're bringing everybody back for it. Um, Eldon Henson plays Foggy on that show. Okay. I just looked it up. Beautiful portrayal of the character, and yeah, Foggy Nelson just a normal dude. But I like normal dudes that are superheroes in the real life and just like i said with bucky you know being a soldier and being a phenomenal soldier and leader you know being an amazing lawyer and standing up for the little guys uh foggy nelson along with you know murdoch um great so number two kind of a 1a 1b but 1a's gotta stay 1a i love it and then just just the stuff they get caught up in the fact that they're um defending punisher in the the second season is just like how did these two guys get thrown into this fucking scenario like it's 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 the most incredible thing even the whole third season where he's running making that campaign for um being da and he like he has all those family turmoils too like they they wrote those characters super super well, which it's it's reflected in the fact that you care about Karen so much by the end of it. Because at first, in like the first couple of seasons, you're like, okay, she's cool, but this is like, eh, it's fine. And then by the time you're in the third season, you're like, I if anything ever happens to her, I don't know what I'll do with myself. Yeah, but she keeps putting herself in the worst situations. She does the pain in the sure. ass in that way, but you love her for it. Uh huh. For sure. Well, they swerved. I don't know if you know um, originally, but when they're when they do that scene in the church in the third season where um, f- uh, where the priest ends up getting hit and dying. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've gotten that far, but I'm not sure. Oh, in Daredevil. Yeah. Oh, so they th- I didn't mean to spoil that for it's, you at all. No, it's fine. That, it, anyone that gets close to Daredevil dies. It's fine. What? Yeah. Watch that season, though, because um, originally in that comic book storyline, it's Karen that gets hit and not the priest. Like she's supposed to die in that scene, which was kind of a nice swerve because it was like, oh, so they want to keep her around. Like they want you to keep caring about her uh, at a point. But that. Listen, if you haven't watched that third season yet, you, more homework. You have to, have to, have to, have to, have to watch that third season because it is phenomenal from beginning to end. Yeah, I miscalculated with my wife. I thought I started watching without her, and I was, like, talking about it one day, and she goes, how come I'm not watching this? I'm like, I don't know. You don't love all comic book stuff. She goes, I'm like, yeah, but the way you describe it sounds like I would like it. I'm like, well, yeah, because it's – just like any other kind of crazy uh, show we've ever watched, like Sons of Anarchy, of just like crazy nonsense. You know what I mean? Just like intense, over the top, just high octane action and intense moments and favorite characters getting killed off. And she's like, yeah, that's my kind of show. I'm like, my bad, dude. My bad. 
Sopranos? Are you a Sopranos guy? We uh, had a a link, a hookup for HBO for a while, and then we lost it. So we stopped watching somewhere maybe in the fourth season. Oh, damn. Sorry. That's a that's another one I'm absolutely obsessed with. Between Sons, Breaking Bad, and Sopranos, I'm obsessed with all three of those shows like No Tomorrow. Can you believe that we quit on uh, the Breaking Bad uh, in the last season? Oh, in the last season? Come on! I I have a thing where I can put up with annoying characters only for so long. And the sister-in-law and the wife I hate with a passion. And I could no longer deal with them. Yeah, they do fucking suck. They those suck. Dude, those two suck so bad. I know that they're written that way, but God, they are right. so insane. It's good writing because I, I hate their guts. And if I ever see those those actresses in movies, I'm like, <laughs> yep, yep, seriously. Oh, <laughs> uh, very good. I, I love that you put Foggy on this list because I was considering him as well. Daredevil is one of my favorite uh, comic book series runs. Hell yeah, me too. He's so similar to Batman in the like DC universe, which is it, or in the Marvel universe, which yeah. is so crazy because he's similar but different. He's so like religious and falls into religion so damn much of the time. He has people that he does care about and really will like put himself in harm's way for. But like he's dark and broody and like. Yeah. He's got the horns, and he's the devil of Hell's Kitchen. It's just cool as hell. And, and uh, the, what made me fall in love with him, uh, the series, wasn't even him to begin with. While you know, he the way he looks is cool and everything like that, and the backstory is cool, uh, where he's like gonna get justice one way or another, uh, legal or not. And then they introduce Bullseye, and I remember reading this one comic once again. I'm, I think I'm probably in the magazine aisle, and Bullseye takes four quarters and or three quarters. And he sticks them between his knuckles and he just like flicks them and he like kills these like three dudes. They all go in different directions. And I was like, I have never seen anything so cool in a comic book in my life. I'm a fan. That was souls. And they do such a good job of that in the third season where he is literally just throwing everything. Like he's just picking up everything and like just fucking throwing it with extreme precision. It's so good. Which is a shame that that the Colin Farrell portrayal gets dogged as much as it did because I don't think he did that bad. He's not the one that decided to have some weird freaking uh, birthmark on his forehead. You know what I mean? But the scene on the plane is amazing when he flicks the peanut in in the throat and the lady chokes on it and passes away. Uh, that's that's the most telling side of like the era that movie's from like yeah. in general oh my god yeah it, they just didn't know how to do it yet no no that was that movie was like 85 percent there and then the other 15 just really ruins it so like i'm i'm not a person who loves ben affleck as batman i definitely am less critical of him now than i used to be when it was like first the thing first i was like can't stand it can't stand it can't stand it but he is a way better daredevil like he at the time that casting was great he is a good matt murdoch yeah i agree i agree uh the only thing that was stupid about that movie is how much it seemed like they were flying really that was really dumb yeah what the fuck yeah, I went to the movies with my 
best bud Nate and uh, this girl Heather, who was not a comic book fan like me and Nate were. And uh, at one point, while they're running around the rooftop, she goes, "So they can all fly?" I'm like, <laughs> I "Look at Nate," and I'm like, "Actually, no. Ne- neither one of them can fly." Well, they're flying. I'm like, I, they're jumping really far. She goes, yeah, but they're not really falling too much either. I'm like, no, well, it's like Buzz Lightyear. You know, it, he's he's falling with style. Oh, my God. The whole when when Electra's cutting those sandbags and they're playing Bring Me Back to Life by Evanescence. Like, yeah. that's that's just the most yeah. 2000s thing. Like, it might as well be like Underworld Evolution or something like that. Don't look back on my DVD collection. I would. I won't judge you. I would never judge you. I I love the movie League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and people think that's one of the most trash movies of all time. But like as a kid, I just I loved it. I thought it was such a cool freaking movie. Hey, I love bat nipples. Yeah, me me too. For like, just the weird. I love to laugh at it so damn much. Uh. Speaking of Batman, I'll go into my number two uh, here we go. from here. So um, I left Alfred Pennyworth off this list because he's, to me, he's Bruce's dad. He's everybody's dad in the, in that entire thing. He He was Bruce's parent when he didn't have parents. Like, he just had Alfred. And you could say, like, oh, he works for the family. He's in debt. Like, no, he's, that's his son. And he's always, like, looking to protect him. So as much as he does so much for the team and that he kind of had no other choice in that. Someone I like a little bit better situationally when it comes to that category um, is Maxine Gibson, who is a character in Batman Beyond. So in the first season of Batman Beyond, it's just Bruce and Terry McGinnis working together for the most part. And then when it gets to the second season, there's a girl at his high school named Max who is running this report. She's she's super smart, like has like a 4.0, um, never misses any class, never misses any type of thing. And she's working on this side project in the computer lab where she kind of is figuring out that somebody at the school is Batman. It's like the new Batman. And she justifies it. She's like, and she go, runs through all the data and things. And she's friends with Terry and his girlfriend. So Terry immediately is like, oh, shit. She's kind of odd to the fact that, like, that it could be somebody from here. And through the episode, she ends up thinking that Terry is um, one of the Jokers who are, instead of the Joker being one thing at this point in the future, he's gone at this point, and there are gangs in Gotham that call themselves the Jokers as, like, a tribute to him. Like, so there are multiple of these, like, weirdos running around Gotham now, which is a weird thing. So she thinks that Terry is one of these guys, but it turns out to be someone different from their school. So she gets herself in a bad situation and Terry ends up saving her as Batman. And at that point, she figures out that Terry's Batman and not a Joker. Um, And at the end of the episode, he's like, when she tells him she figured it out, he goes, so what are you going to do? And she goes, 
she goes, well, I can help you with certain things. And like on cue, Dana comes in and she's like, where were you? We were supposed to have a date last night, all all this or whatever. And Max immediately goes, I'm sorry. Terry asked me to watch um, his brother, Matt, because um, his mom was at work, but I had to bail on him. So Terry got stuck babysitting him. It's totally my fault. So like immediately she's just adding this layer of like, okay, I can, I can help you in certain circumstances, but then there, there, these episodes come about where she's like, I'm your sidekick. And he's like, no, you're not my sidekick. Like you, you, you need to stay as far away from this as possible. And even Bruce Wayne is like, no, stay the hell away. Like, don't be a part of this. But she just naturally becomes a part of like the group. And she helps Terry out in so many scenarios. She's the guy on the side when he needs a guy on the side. And she, she's different from a lot of the other Batman people because she figures it out organically. And she's still like, yeah, no, I'm helping you whether you like it or not. Like, this is, now I'm here, now I've got it, now I'm forced to love that. Um, Batman Beyond is one of the best written and produced uh, superhero series of all time, and she adds such a fun layer to it. Um, I'm trying to remember what the actress's name that voices her, but she's also in a billion different things um, as a voice actress. But uh, Maxine Gibson from Batman Beyond is my number two. That's cool. I don't know if I know that series that well. I must have watched it a little bit. Um, but it, it was definitely at the point where it was I think I was outgrowing it a little bit. That was that in the early two thousands? Yes. Okay, yeah. I think I was too cool for cartoons, although I was probably watching SpongeBob still. <laughs> <laughs> Who wasn't at that point? Like- oh, right. If if you can honestly say, oh, I've never watched, no, you're lying, you're lying. I got um, kicked out of a study hall for singing the SpongeBob, uh, Krusty Krab pizza song over and over again, which, if you know, is not very long. So <laughs> I can totally see you doing. It. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It wasn't bad. I was. You just said leave. I'm like, just like 15 minutes left. He goes in, just wander the halls. I'm like, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, the great um Cree Summer voices Maxine Gibson, who's just done voice work on a billion, billion, billion different shows. She was Susie Carmichael on Rugrats. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, very distinct voice. Um, all right. Just like that, we are on to our number one as far as sidekicks go. Brian, number one. The number one sidekick of all time will always be Robin, a.k.a. Dick Grayson for me. Hell yeah. He is the sidekick. Uh, All iterations of him, the corny Adam West uh, version, the little more grown-up one, uh, when you have him um, eventually becoming Nightwing. Nightwing. Rob Robin is just a really fun character in the way that they mirrored each other. You know, both lost their parents, not in exactly the same way, but in tragic ways in front of their own eyes, you know, seeing it happen and um, being taken under his wing, unintended, and then just flourishing in that role and really just knowing that no matter what, they had each other. 
and that's all they had. That's all they could rely on. Sure, like you said, you know, they had Alfred, but when it came down to it and they were out there in the streets and stuff, you know, really taking on crime, it, they relied on each other and they backed each other up. Now, you'll have to explain to me more uh, why there's so many more Robins after this, <laughs> because there's only one Robin to me. Uh, I literally did not know about any other Robins. Now, I knew that he went on to become Nightwing and lead his own um, group, you know, his own version of a Justice League, mm -hmm. which I always respected and thought it was super cool that he actually got to grow up a bit and uh, be his own um, leader of a uh, crime-fighting group. But, uh, yeah, you're going to have to explain this more a little bit. I definitely can, which actually... <clears throat> It ties in perfectly to mine because I have a Robin at my number one, but it's actually a different Robin than uh, Nightwing is. So is the second or the third? It's the third one. So third. it's Tim Drake. Um, yeah. So Nightwing eventually kind of outgrows Batman and he does leave to um, go to the Titans. Um, in the meantime, like kind of in the transition of this, um, Batman's working on a case or doing something and he comes back into the alley where his Batmobile's at and he realizes that the Batmobile's on blocks and someone's stealing the tires off the Batmobile which, turn, which turns out to be um, Jason Todd, the second Robin. Now, Jason Todd is very famous in the comic books because Joker kills him. There was um, a fan vote at the time on whether or not they wanted Robin to die, and the fans chose yes, that they wanted uh, Jason Todd to go. So he got killed. He got killed in a brutal fashion. He later yeah. comes back. Yeah, Joker. Like a tire or something like that? Crowbar, crowbar. Crowbar. Just beats the crap out of him with a crowbar. Um, the Visually, it is one of the uh, most hard-to-read things in comics because it's not showing it but it's just showing kind of like the shadow of him doing it which is just brutal um but he survives that but joker also rigged the place to blow up so he dies in the explosion with that um later Ra's al ghul brings him back um with the lazarus pit to try and rectify something he did to batman and Jason becomes Red Hood, and Jason sticks around as Red Hood for the still currently he's still there. Um, Tim is I'll explain more about Tim in a second, but he's the third Robin. Um, Stephanie Brown, who was the spoiler, is the fourth. Um, I can't remember how she becomes uh, a, a Robin, but it's a very brief run that she has that. And then the current Robin is Damian Wayne, who is biologically Bruce Wayne's son. Um, who, uh, the Razo Ghoul's daughter. Yes. But, yeah, but they like, she kind of cheated a little bit because, like, they didn't do it the natural way. She, like, got his DNA and, like, kind of, like, formed a kid with oh. him a little bit. It, it's, it's very strange, but, um, Damien is biologically Bruce's son. Tim comes about after, um, Jason dies. He, figures out himself that Bruce Wayne and um, Dick Grayson were the original Batman and Robin pairing. Like he just, he knows because he was such a big Batman fan and such a big fan of like the flying Graysons too, 
and I think he was either in house or something like that when Dick Grayson's parents died. But I think I read he, that. Yeah. So he's watching. Um, so at some point he's watching security footage from a robbery that Batman and Robin foiled. And Batman was in a pinch and um, Dick Grayson came from the rafters and did um, like a two flips and then kicked the guy. And he goes, I recognize that. Only the Flying Graysons knew how to do that trick. And I saw you incorporate into that. And he goes, so I did some reading and I realized that Bruce Wayne took you in. So I made that connection that Bruce Wayne it must be Batman and you must be Robin. So that's that's one of the reasons I love him because it's very organic, like how he figures it out. And then he's part of the team forever. I believe um his father was living at the time, but he ends up losing his father, if I'm not mistaken. And he's just very loyal to Bruce. I feel like he kind of knows Bruce a lot better than a lot of people. Um, he's overlooked in a lot of senses uh, when it comes to the team, but he's always just down. He always does the right thing and what he thinks is right. And he's always defending Bruce uh, more than a lot of other people and knows his side. Um, Personally, growing up on the new Batman adventures, he became Robin after um, Dick Grayson left, and they kind of merged him and Jason Todd into one um, Robin after that. And I always thought he was really fun because he had that Spider-Man kind of effect where he was, like, taunting villains as he's fighting them and, like, kind of taking things serious but not serious at the same time. Um, and then he has a – they do a cool angle with him um, – with the Joker in Batman Beyond, which I always thought was unbelievable. But he's really, even though he never graduated from Robin, he's like Red Robin now. Um, he he was just happy being in that role. Like, that's what he wanted. He just wanted to be Batman's sidekick. That was his thing. And that, it, it always made me kind of feel like I could do that, too, in senses when I was reading that. Dick Grayson definitely made me feel that way, but he was older. And then I saw um, Tim Drake's Robin, and he's this, like, young little kid doing this. And that made me connect with it way more as a kid. Uh, so, yeah, it's funny that we each have a Robin on our list, but um, Tim Drake's Robin comes in at my number one. Beautiful, because that is a character that I, I had a feeling was going to be number one. But as I'm doing the research, I'm like, yeah, he's probably not going to have Dick Grayson, though. It, it It's only for the fact that Dick Grayson has become so much of a singular character within that world that, like, I don't see him as Bat Batman's sidekick anymore. I see him as, like, the perfect protege that that graduated into, like, the superhero role. Because he's definitely, like, way more superhero at this point. But, yeah, you're right. He is the first and original Robin, and he always will hold that place in that world. I mean, plus that outfit is iconic. It's so good. In all the worst and bad, like, good and bad ways, you know? I know. That it clearly inspired the ambiguously gay duo on SNL. Oh, 100%. And you know what's you know what's really funny too? They wanted to do 
a Nightwing movie eventually with Chris O'Donnell. When oh, what? Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine if they had actually gone and done that? Like, it would have been fine, maybe. But like in that Joel Schumacher Gotham world, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it would have been as. But we'd, we'd love it in in a guilty pleasure way. Yeah, a hundred percent. There's no need for like a million different statues within that city that are all bigger than like most of life. Like, why is that a thing? I don't know. We still have to watch that together one of these days. Because and react he watched to it. he watched Tim Burton do something weird and and abstract. He goes, "Oh, people like weird and abstract things." No, no, no. He does he does it the right way. You do things like cocaine and infuse ideas. Yeah, it, it, he it, Schumacher said, "Hold my crack pipe. Yeah. <laughs> Let me do this real quick." <laughs> oh man! And just like that, that was our sidekick list. Um, I had a great time doing. That. I always have a good time talking superheroes with you, but this was a really fun list to do as our first one like that. It was a a nice uh, balance of uh, I believe like understanding what I already knew. And conversing on that, but also I have a lot of homework now. I'm intrigued on some characters that I didn't know anything about. So, yeah, I agree, dude. Uh, great list, great topic, and um, I, I hope this uh, I hope this was a good uh, second installment of us together. Absolutely, I, I'm pretty sure it was. I'm sure our listeners will feel the same way. Um, you get choice for next week. Do you have any idea what you want to do as far as lists? Um. I, I have two ideas. You know both of them. Um, we'll have to discuss off air uh, just because I want to be more concrete on uh, what kind of recording schedule we can have. Cool. That sounds great to me. Uh, but, yeah, that's absolutely perfect. Um, I think we're such a great fit already together. I enjoy just talking with you and really, really learning more about our personalities based on our common interests. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's a it's a unique way and maybe my favorite way of getting to know someone a little bit better is is through this wonderful art of podcasting. Yeah, same here. Uh, but until next time, make sure you check out all our other shows on the network at BICBP-radio.com. Um, there are plenty, plenty, plenty to choose from. Um, you have mine and Brian shows. You have uh, the retro fun house right nostalgia fun house nostalgia i was fun gonna house. say nostalgia fun house um we have uh hear me out um with jenna and elena which is a more recent one we have two brains one mic um which just uh came on our show or on our network a couple weeks ago uh so make sure you check out all those wonderful shows we have to offer and until next time from brian and myself do you even list Sus Ramirez, Perry the Platypus, Hop Hop, you're more of a kindly elder. What? No, I'm a young, sprightly sidekick. <sighs> Just let him have this. One of all my peeps is your best friend, Remy. He with all these folks you've seen on your telly. We may not be the stars and heroes, but time to expose it. Everyone knows sidekicks. Like